Varmt välkommen till Iro-podden. Podden för dig som jobbar inom de kulturella och kreativa sektorerna och som är intresserad av internationella stöd och samarbeten. Hanna Olsson heter jag och är projektledare för International Resource Office. Ett projekt som drivs av det europeiska kulturnätverket TransEurope Hall med stöd ifrån Region Skåne. Häng med så kör vi! Today I am super happy to have Marie Lesseau, who is Secretary General for On The Move, and Gwendolyn Sharp, who is working with uh, an organization called The Green Room, uh, where you is the founder uh, also of The Green Room. So warm welcome to uh, today's uh, episode. I'm super happy to, uh, to have you here. Maybe we can start with a, a short introduction of uh, who you are and, uh, and the organizations. So maybe you would like to start, uh, Marie? Okay, thank you very much, uh, Hannah. And uh, I'm also uh, delighted to be part of this conversation. So my name is Marie Lesour and I work for On The Move. So On The Move, in a nutshell, it's a mobility information network active in Europe and internationally. So uh, our main mission is very much to provide information and mobility opportunities for artists and cultural professionals. So we don't provide funding for the mobility, but we try as much as possible to provide information on where artists and cultural professionals can find funding and also other related information, for instance, on administrative issues concerning uh, their mobility. And we are a network of now more than 55 organizations, mostly in Europe, but also increasingly internationally. And um, organizations which are all involved in one way or the other, be it on funding, administrative issue, information, monitoring, related to mobility. We are super, super happy to uh, to have you here. Gwendolyn, would you like to introduce yourself and, uh, and the Green Room a little bit? Yes, sure. Thank you, Hannah. Uh, so my name is Gwendolyn Sharp. Uh, I'm the founder of an organization called The Green Room, uh, which is based in France and was uh, co-created in 2016. And our main focus is uh, to co-develop tools and uh, strategies for environmental and societal change in the music industry. And also we, we sometimes work with the other cultural sectors. And we mostly work with... Uh, associated musicians, uh, technicians, and music professionals. And uh, we started doing that, um, really focusing on planning solutions for low-carbon touring and to co-create really customized uh, tailor-made solutions uh, to support environmental and social goals of uh, music professionals. Super happy to, to have you here also, Gwendolyn Warm. Welcome. So the theme of the day is mobility, and maybe also that's where to start. What uh, what is mobility, 
and what does it mean in the uh, cultural sector and for the cultural sector? So maybe, Marie, if I can pass that question to you. Thank you. And, and basically to, to answer this um, uh, question, because maybe it can also help to uh, further unfold uh, the conversation later, partly in relation with the pandemic and aftermath. I, I would like very much to refer to um, a definition that um, On The Move uh, proposed part of uh, what we call the an operational study, which was commissioned by um, uh, the consortium behind the um, mobility pilot program, which is called iPortunus, uh, which is a more recent pilot program to encourage uh, mobility of artists and cultural professionals in Europe and more specifically in the Creative Europe uh, country. So in 2019, the the consortium led by the, the Goethe Institute um, commissioned to on the move uh, this study to kind of map existing mobility uh, funding scheme to map the needs of the sector, uh, particularly uh, in consideration to different disciplines from music to performing arts to uh, visual art to architecture, for instance, and and Gwen was also one of the contributors for for this uh, for this study, and one of our tasks was also like to provide an updated definition of cultural mobility, referring also to a kind of breakdown ground um, breaking study which was done in 2008, which was called Mobility Matters uh, by the Eric Art Institute. So the idea was really to update this definition. And I would say the, the first part of the definition was the definition that um, we kind of uh, know about mobility. So this is the idea also that mobility as much as possible should be part um, of the professional trajectory of artists and cultural professional that can it can be translated into different formats it can be mobility to connect to a different context it can be mobility to network it can be uh, mobility to tour uh, to develop like touring exhibition as well it can be also mobility part of a training capacity building program so to see the different format of mobility but we added as well to this definition another layer, I would say, of thought or understanding of this question of mobility, that mobility is not a kind of standalone type of format, but that it should be more considered so as a conscious process both for people who benefit from it, so artists, cultural professionals, art workers in general, and also for the founder, be them public, private, you know, um, policy-related organization, so that it should be a conscious process that embed also the different ethical, political, social, environmental, um, and um, dimension related to mobility. So, and I guess it will be part later of the conversation, but for us, this is really something also that we try to also keep in mind to reflect on how to revamp mobility system and mobility funding scheme, uh, particularly with the learning of the pandemics. So yeah, you were uh, mentioning the, the pandemic, which is also, uh, of course, very interesting when it comes to to mobility. How has the uh, how has the pandemic affected uh, the cultural mobility in uh, in Europe and internationally? 
new ways of uh, of mobility so i i, I will start uh, first and um, and uh, and uh, hopefully also some of the idea I'm, I'm quite sure in fact that will connect also to what uh, gwen will say later um i would uh, identify four main um form of impact i mean the most obvious is unfortunately the stop of mobility i mean uh, starting, uh, I mean, we saw it partly in Europe in March 2020, but it was even before in Asia and after it affected, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, so the, the America's uh, continent. So this is the most obvious form of impact, the purely stop and, and, and somehow radical stop almost from one day to the other um, to, uh, to mobility. And, and parallel to that, we could see also, um, and this is not only from the perspective of on the move as an information platform, uh, but also while sharing with other information platform or other network that share information for the sector. This, this is also, um, and this is still uh, in a way visible today. Um, so almost one and a half years after, this is really an increase of information search by the sector. So of course, this uh, search for information was first for urgent needs. So my tour is cancelled. How can I be compensated? Or what is the situation of travel circulation in this and that country? So it was also very difficult at the beginning to catch up with all this information because it could really change from one day to the other. And after it was also, and it's still very much the case, also the search for other way to fund oneself. Uh, when it's not possible to have it uh, be funded or supported by usual mobility type of support. Um, and I often say that a website like On The Move, but other websites also related to international relations, basically we never stopped. I mean, it's not because mobility as a physical type of mobility stopped and it's still very much affected. We see also now we are in November 2021, and still we don't really know what will happen in the next you know, days or months, uh, for instance, in Europe and also internationally. So this is also the, the fact that in, in a way for On The Move, the website has never been so visited since the pandemic, which sounds like an irony, but which also reveals a lot of the needs of the sector as well. To the point I, I wanted also to hi highlight in terms of impact um, is definitely, this we could all see it, uh, the adaptation and experimentation that, of course, the artist and cultural professional could do, but also the adaptation of support system of, you know, of, of opportunities by funding organization when they exist, because we also know that there is also a lot of inequality of access. Um, and here there were different formats uh, going from the unfortunate consolation of events, so consolation sometimes of fee and support, but also the revamping of some uh, schemes or testing a new format of collaboration of festival that could be also online or also through hybrid format. And here, maybe it will be, it can be also in the 
in the, in the resource uh, through this podcast, I would like to, to refer to a publication which uh, we find very interesting. I mean, among the many publications that we have done, uh, it's called Cultural Relation in the New Normal, and it was produced by the Cultural Relation Platform in partnership with the Ukrainian Institute. And they kind, to, they, they kind of offer a typology of this new format, which are related to international internationalization of practice so from festival to capacity building program to networking event and so on but really uh, highlighting the learning from the pandemic so far and last but not least and this is a crucial form of impact uh, of the the pandemic as far as mobility is concerned this is the increased mobility flows inequalities. We knew that. I referred to the definition of mobility before. It was already highlighted in the same 2019 operational study only at the level of the Creative Europe country. But this is an inequality of access is even more striking now with the, with the crisis. And in a way, on our opportunity list, we have a new country, which is online. You know, a residency can be also online. But when you delve deeper in this kind of opportunities, which are online, you see the same kind of funding organization that for on-site or physical mobility. So which means that it's only a certain, a certain category of artists and cultural professionals that can still benefit from this opportunity and that the level of competition is even higher for people where in their context the opportunities were already quite scarce. So this is also a point um, highly negative, but that I also wanted to bring in the conversation to help us later to rethink uh, mobility format. Yeah. So I pass the word to, to, to Gwen. Yes, thank you so much. It's really interesting uh, also in terms of, uh, of equality and the, and the sustainable uh, side of, of mobility. So what's your so take on, on this? question when uh, Gwendolyn um, how the pandemic has impacted the the cultural mobility um yes I I, I can say like uh, the but keeping the heart of the international artistic and cultural mobility and uh, doing it in a sustainable way is definitely a challenge and it will uh, require some structural changes. Um, and it's also true that there are many things that are beyond our control as uh, cultural actors. Uh, so it can be very overwhelming for artists, for organizations. And uh, I, I think there are two, actually two main big issues uh, related to the climate and ecological crisis that uh, we need to think about uh, when we think about our cultural mobility. And the first one is this uh, objective of the whole society to reach net zero carbon emissions. And the second one is for the whole society to, to adapt to the impacts of uh, climate change. And sometimes we, um, we think too much about the environmental impact and the climate crisis in our little bubble. And just as Marie said, uh, we need to have a more, uh, just to, to remember that this is actually a global matter and that it takes a, a global response and that it's a matter of uh, climate justice. And uh, we can really see now how uh, the pandemic in COVID-19 has uh, increased uh, this uh, injustice. 
Um, so if we look at what's really at stake here, uh, it, it will take a change at all levels and especially in the way we plan and uh, structure our work to make sure that it doesn't force unsustainable practices on artists and on what we call small organizations by um, placing too much responsibility on them. So after the pandemic, it was already the case before, but I think uh, artists and uh, cultural organizations started to really think about this uh, in a more structural way. And in terms of mobility, uh, I would say there are actually two systemic approaches that are more and more being explored. Uh, one is uh, what we call slow travel, and the other one is what we call more uh, deep uh, mobility. Uh, both, of course, has to have to do with uh, slowing down. Um, so slow travel, uh, because we have this focus, which is very much on uh, flying by plane, which is obviously one of the biggest impact you can have as an individual. So it's exploring how you can uh, travel in a slow way, uh, maybe travel for less kilometers, less uh, jumping from uh, one place to another. And this is very striking in the practices of the music industry, for instance. So it doesn't necessarily mean uh, you have to tour uh, by bike or by walking, even if it actually exists. But I can take the example of uh, a project by uh, IAP in Helsinki, which, is, uh, which has um, opened a call uh, for a residency, a moving residency from Helsinki to Japan uh, by train and where all the participants uh, think together about the different steps, the different stops, and uh, what they want to do uh, with it, this uh, time that they will spend uh, uh, traveling. Um, and when we speak about uh, deep mobility, this is more uh, connected to spending more time on, in, in a venue, on a territory, uh, it can be through residencies, it can be through uh, promotion of the, of the work, uh, meeting with other um, cultural professionals, uh, other artists, doing some um, inclusivity work with local communities. So for, especially in the music industry, then it's uh, also a way to rethink the, the role of the host. And uh, as Marie was saying, like, uh, because now it's uh, not just, uh, for instance, inviting a, a musician and a band from far away and just uh, inviting them for a gig, but it's really also thinking about how we can support them to find other gigs in the region or to make uh, the most of their stay uh, in, in the place. So it takes a lot of anticipation and maybe a different way uh, to work. But this has been uh, experimented uh, during the, the pandemic with venues that were not so used to hosting residencies or cultural programs, for instance. And we can also see that because this uh, also focuses a lot on the mobility of artists, but now we, we see also more and more uh, cultural professionals, that, like programmers or bookers that uh, choose to give up flying or certain types of travel or certain types of events. Um, for bookers, for example, it can be like going to uh, those bigger, like Wumex or uh, Jazz Ahead uh, once every two years or once every two, three years, or trusting their, their network of programmers on, in different regions and not going necessarily to see some shows. And in terms of also adaptation, which has been also 
highlighted by the pandemic, uh, but already existed uh, before, because um, we could see a lot of uh, like more and more cultural events and especially festivals and concerts uh, being cancelled uh, because of uh, extreme weather events or because of the fires in Australia, for instance. So it's also a way to approach things like how we can better adapt to, to the reality of uh, climate change. Thank you so much, uh, Gwendolyn. Uh, you are also touching upon my next question, how cultural mobility infrastructure can look like that is more for the future, that is more sustainable. You mentioned uh, to find, to like group uh, places in the region where you can go to, so you minimize the amount of traveling and the slow traveling to take time. Uh, is there anything else you would like to add in in this aspect for uh, for the future and the new cultural mobility infrastructure um yes i can add that sometimes uh, as i was saying before when we focus maybe too much on the on the travel itself we we tend to forget what might be our other uh, levers to to help to to make it more sustainable of course, this also really depends on where where you are based and which kind of structures exist and that can support you. Um, for instance, uh, if you are in a country with a lot of uh, train infrastructure or public transport to come to to a place, this is going to to be way easier. Uh, we know that uh, one of the biggest impacts for um, music venues and festivals is the, the impact of the audience mobility. Uh, and uh, this is uh, also an issue that is quite difficult to tackle. But I think this is also a way that could be uh, really effective to, to think about uh, more about actually the mobility of the, of the audience and having the artists come closer to the audience rather than having the audience always traveling maybe far away to go and see an artist somewhere. So it's maybe also rethinking. It's uh, of, of course linked to uh, to this um, deep mobility idea, but uh, yeah, coming closer to the audience could be a, it could be a good uh, a good level. Thank you so much, Marie. I was also curious about your take on on this question with a new infrastructure for for cultural mobility. Um, I guess I, I would definitely also go uh, in line with what um, Gwen was saying about also having this um, um, holistic approach to the to the issue and that um, the different stakeholder or to refer again to this definition of uh, uh, mobility I and mean, the second part of the definition that both the artist cultural professional but also the founder host organization that Everybody has a share of responsibility uh, in this uh, in this process, and this is a and, and this share of responsibility, of course, is uh, should be more uh, subsequent to the size or to the capacity of these people. And what we notice at the moment, um, you know, that um, in fact, also in relation with the pandemic, it's not like new trends emerging with the pandemic, but more exacerbation of some trends. And that 
as far as this question of environmental sustainability is concerned, and not only as well on, on all the questions if you want to rethink the system in terms of accessibility, inclusion, uh, uh, social justice, and, and so on, we have the impression, and more than the impression, there are also some facts, that um, a lot of pressure is put on the level, at the level of individual artists or smaller type of organizations that are already, you know, like very much challenged in general and even more by the context. So this is also important to take that into consideration. Uh, we, we did, uh, we updated um, at the beginning of, uh, I mean, um, at the beginning of this year, so early 2021, um, um, a guide which is uh, focusing on um, funding, mobility, and environmental sustainability. It's called the GALA funding guide. It's linked to a former European project, GALA, Green Art Lab Alliance, which now became a, a network of international organizations uh, focusing on this issue. And the first guide on funding was, uh, was done in 2015. And the second guide in 2021, also uh, Gwen contributed to it. And we, we noticed much more initiative on this question, not only related to the pandemic, but much more attention. But at the end of the day, there is much more um, good intention or, or, or recommendation too, but after you don't have so much funding support attached to this. And indeed, the risk would be also to create again, new bubble of exchange between those who have access and those who don't have access, and those for whom mobility is a choice, and those for whom, and there is a lot of them, mobility is not a choice, but it's also come out of an economic necessity. For many artists and cultural professionals, the fact of being in collaboration of touring is also related to an important sources of income. So we have also to take that into consideration in terms of thinking ahead of a new cultural mobility uh, infrastructure that we think all these questions of, as Gwen was saying, also of duration, of connection, and which are much more um, almost telemate, but much more based on the needs of the sector, much more than, oh, you need to tick that and that box that may exclude you, <laughs> but because you need to comply with the system. So I, I am not saying that it's, it's, it's easy because it's, it's very complex, but at the same time, we should also all see it as part of a process of change and not just as a project where we tick the box physically. Yeah, I, I totally agree that it's, it's a lot also on the, on the policy level and on the levels of, of the funders and of the funding, uh, funding schemes. So is there, what can we wish on, on those levels? You mean uh, at the level of the, uh, of the level of, of policy of, and, yeah. and 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 funders? Yes. Yeah. Um, what can we wish? Uh, first of all, we can see also that at the level of funding bodies, that again, when they exist, there was something which happened during the pandemic and which was a learning as well. Is usually also a certain capacity to adapt 
and to be more flexible and to be also more in capacity to the, to listen to the needs of the sector we have <laughs> never seen so many questionnaires you know like to get the feedback what are the needs what were your loss and and indeed here it was very interesting also like to see that the sector very much also answer that kind of questionnaire because it was also a way to share their most urgent needs and this kind of uh, maybe process of work should eventually uh, continue. So yeah, this question of um, listening more uh, to, to the sector and, um, and also to adapt and to experiment and maybe as well, depending also on the mobility funding scheme, but to have also a more contextualized approach. They, because if you, let's say, deal with a European uh, uh, large uh, mobility funding scheme, this question of contextualized approach is also uh, very important because the needs of the sector are different in Ukraine, in Spain, uh, in, in, in France, and even within each of these countries as well. But um, yeah, this could be also this kind of process experimentation um, and, and to think less in terms of numbers, numbers of tools, but maybe numbers in terms of duration, numbers in terms of connection to a local context, and how this goes as well with uh, revamping funding scheme, because you spend more time in a given context. So that means also that people need to also to be paid. Yeah, so this could be some of the area also to explore and, and which started already to be explored. So the more sharing also of experimentation like this can happen at various level of uh, competencies be it for private public uh, funders could be extremely interesting at the European or international level. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so it's uh, it's time for us soon to, uh, to wrap up. Just want to finish up with, uh, with the last question so if you're going back uh, to the to the individual so if you are an individual artist that uh, want to go on maybe your first mobility project what would be your advice to uh, to that person maybe we can start with with marie thank you I would say maybe two uh, two words that I um, um, I have the impression to to repeat myself, but two words which are very important because we say that we should act act at all level, and of course it's not the same to act at the level of uh, individual and bigger institution, for instance. But the links between the two should be even more um, activated. Um, I would say something like. Uh, to be context-based or context-specific, uh, because what may work in your particular context may have a different type of impact or doesn't work in another context as well. And um, this question on also, particularly when we work on um, um, you know, new project, it's also how to involve more people in this conversation or this exchange. Uh, sometimes to try to go also outside of our comfort zone. And this is also something that we should apply. I should also apply it uh, more for myself or for the organization. And this question of thinking even more than before, this is all already something that we say. I fully agree with 
um, uh, with uh, Gwen on this question that mobility is more than the travel. And now every time we talk about mobility, but really when it's the context of uh, environmental sustainability, it is always this question of travel which come back, which is of course important, but this is also the before, the during and the after. What do you, how do you uh, prepare yourself? What do you do when you are during your mobility? And also what do you bring back for yourself? For your local community, whatever this um, uh, you know uh, words or terminology may uh, imply, um, but this is also important uh, and 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 basically to sustain your project, to sustain your professional career, and also to connect more with other individual and organization that then you can also connect as well to be part of other projects. Wonderful. Uh, I will pass that question also to uh, to Gwendolyn of course bearing in mind what we talked about uh, earlier when it comes to to sustainability that there is a lot of responsibility on the individual that should probably be on on a higher uh, level or on another level but still is there anything on a on a positive note that you would like to to share or pass on to to an individual who uh, who would like to go on a first mobility project. I, I think I will repeat a bit what Marie said, but I think the, the, the context is very, very important. Of course, I would not give the same answer to someone from France or from uh, uh, Sweden, from Poland or from Tunisia or anywhere, anywhere else. And um, if you are in a country where there are already uh, organizations working on those issues, like we know Julie's Bicycle in the UK or others where you have a lot of resources in your language that are available. You can have support, sometimes you can have funding. You have research available that helps you to understand what your real impacts are. Because sometimes we see uh, people trying to tackle all the environmental issues, but not really knowing what's uh, really efficient and maybe sometimes uh, putting a lot of energy, sometimes a lot of money for things that probably are not so um, efficient for them or for their project. And, um, and sometimes it's maybe a way to look at what we can actually change, but also what we can influence or advocate for. Um, so we can look at uh, beyond just the travel issue, but also the, how you travel with your material do you have to take everything with you also thinking about maybe what you can uh, have on on the spot where where you are going uh, it can be also linked to the choice of accommodation or the way you're going to choose if you're going on a residency and uh, there are many many residencies all over the world uh, Marie mentioned the guide but through gala also you can find a lot of residencies that are really uh, taking the environmental issue into into account. You can think about how you eat also, um, deciding to eat only your local produces on the place where you are and not uh, importing your thing, products from, from elsewhere or being vegetarian or vegan on a tour, for example, can really help uh, to lower your impact. Um, you can also have uh, ask the people that will host you or the venues and have some collaboration projects with, for instance, uh, local activists that you can invite, invite to, to have a speech before your concert. Or you can also have 
some kind of solidarity scheme where you decide to fund a local project that will uh, help uh, biodiversity on the place where you are. Um, just to be maybe more aware of the reality of the where you are and not just thinking of it as a place that is hosting you, but more how you can interact. Also thinking about the energy. Uh, there again, it's very uh, production and energy consumption that's very connected to the music industry, but sometimes artists are asking for a lot of energy that they don't actually need on stage. Like you never need all the lights turned on at the same time or, or some, there's some work that can be done that and that's quite interesting also when it's a new project because you can really collaborate with technicians since the beginning to really uh, integrate this environmental uh, criteria at the beginning of the, of the project and rethink your production and everything. And uh, one last aspect is all the digital uh, aspect that was mentioned uh, already also by, by Marie and that is kind of a new reality. But what we can observe also after the, the pandemic is now we have artists uh, on tour, traveling and doing a gig live with live audience. But this is also being uh, trained live. So it's kind of doubling the, the impacts. You have the, the environmental impact of the live event and you have the environmental impact of the digital, which is quite often not very well understood. And uh, sometimes the digital aspect is seen as a solution, uh, as uh, something which is more eco-conscious. And there again, it's not that obvious. And uh, we shouldn't say like, because an artist is far away, then it, uh, the fact that he, he would do something online would be less impactful. It's not uh, always that, uh, that clear and that simple. Thank you so much both for joining us, Marie Lestro from On The Move and Gwendolyn Char from The Green Room. Thank you so much for, for joining me uh, today. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. Gå gärna in på vår hemsida iro.teh.net Där hittar du information om aktuella utlysningar, kommande workshops och informationsträffar med mera. Inte minst så kan du också gå in och prenumerera på vårt nyhetsbrev. Aktuell information hittar du också via vår Facebook-sida International Resource Office. Söker du på då. Stort tack för att du har lyssnat.